Special Investigator Robert Mueller, his investigation into possible Trump campaign collusion with Russia and also into possible obstruction of justice appears to be moving quickly and aggressively. Mueller's office has executed an early morning no-knock search warrant at former Trump campaign manager Paul Manafort's home and appears to be digging deeply into Manafort's uh, business dealings over many years. Uh, according to CNN, Mueller is looking at Manafort's business dealings go back, going back to 2006. Meanwhile, the Wall Street Journal has reported that Mueller's office has questioned Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein about President Trump's firing of James Comey as FBI director. As the investigation heats up, here to talk with us about it are uh, Jeff Kramer, a managing uh, director at the uh, Berkeley Research Group, and Bradley Moss, a partner at Mark Zaid PLC. Bradley, they certainly seem to be focusing a lot in Robert Mueller's office on Paul Manafort, the former Trump campaign manager. What does this tell us about what Mueller is trying to do as he moves the investigation forward? Absolutely. So it's always been kind of understood that there were two easy pieces of low-hanging fruit for the Mueller investigation. One was Paul Manafort and one was Michael Flynn. Both of them had legal uh, exposure on issues that were separate from whatever may or may not have happened in terms of the campaign and the alleged collusion. But it gave uh, first Director Comey when he was running it and now Robert Mueller as he's running it an in to apply pressure and try to gain some leverage on these two senior-level uh, Trump officials uh, who would have, obviously, insight into what had gone on during the campaign. And for Paul Manafort in particular, between the years of alleged issues between uh, possible money laundering and reporting obligations with respect to him being a foreign agent uh, for, I believe, a political party in Ukraine, it all just it was all too easy for Robert Mueller to focus on him and Michael Flynn to an extent to begin this uh, potential prosecution. Jeff, they picked, according to the New York Times, the investigators, the FBI, picked the lock on Manafort's home to get in, which means they got a no-knock warrant. What do you need to convince a judge to give you a subpoena for a no-knock warrant? Um, yeah, I mean, it is, uh, it is an extra hurdle. You basically have to uh, show to the judge that uh, if you didn't have the no-knock warrant, that someone might be destroying evidence. Um, you don't see it too much. Uh, you see it a lot in, uh, in, in certain kind of violent uh, crime cases, gang cases here in Chicago, organized crime cases and the like. But they clearly convinced the judge that if it was just a regular uh, search warrant, uh, that evidence might, be, uh, evidence might be destroyed. So, yeah, they picked a lock and apparently woke up his wife. Uh, so it was very unusual. Uh, Mark, the uh, Bradley, rather the um, the Times also reported that they have that prosecutors told Manafort that they were going to indict him. Um, why would they do something like that? Uh, two possible reasons. One, it might just be a ploy in the sense of trying to see if they can intimidate and possibly scare him to the extent that they can use that as a means of leverage to get him to be more cooperative and to provide more information of what is arguably the more pertinent and larger target, which is whatever did or did not happen during the campaign. And the other part is it's a standard tactic that prosecutors will often use to kind of give potential criminal defendants more or less a preview um, in order to try to get them to plead guilty and avoid the necessary expense of the full criminal trial. The law, let's give them a preview of here's what we expect to be able to indict you for and to prosecute you and convict you for, and here's what our evidence is going to be. It's not really giving the defendants anything they wouldn't ultimately 
go anyways because they'd be entitled to it in the context of a trial. So it could be either one of those. We don't know enough to know which one it is or if it's a combination of both. But at the same time, we'll tell and see where exactly Mueller was going here and what he was planning to use leverage-wise with respect to Manafort. Jeff, that raid came a day after Manafort was interviewed by the staff members of the Senate Intelligence Committee. Could some of Mueller's aggressiveness, his team's aggressiveness, be the result of the multiple investigations in the Senate and the House that might hurt his investigation? I think there there could be something to that. I mean, this is a little bit unique where you have uh, an investigation, but you have several bodies uh, also looking at this. I don't want to say, uh, you know, it, it, muddying the waters, if you will, um, with other witnesses. So while I'm sure uh, Director Mueller uh, is somewhat coordinating and knows what's going on with the other uh, pieces of the investigation, it does make it a little tougher. I mean, if you had your druthers, if you were uh, a prosecutor or an invest FBI agent, uh, you want to keep these things clean. So that does make it uh, does make it harder and therefore I think as a result uh, director Mueller I think is going very hard and, and a no-nonsense approach I mean we saw that with the team he has constructed which frankly is one of the better prosecutorial and investigative teams going on in the country right now well Brad what look at it from the other side if you're on the congressional side of this one of the one of the uh, committees that's investigating you see Mueller acting very aggressively here, apparently trying to move very fast. Are you more or less inclined to want to take your time and let Mueller give Mueller space, or do you want to get your stuff into the into hearings more quickly? Oh, uh, I mean, it's it's competing um, institutional interests and and sorry, and constitutional prerogatives. I mean, obviously, Congress, even in their most you know uh, arrogant nature, wouldn't want to interfere and get in the way of what. Mr. Mueller is doing, but at the same time, they have their own prerogatives. They have their own views on how this should be investigated and what they, in their respective authorities and rights as the heads of different committees in the Senate and the House, should be allowed to investigate. And we see there's already a little brewing fight, possibly, between Mr. Mueller and the Senate Judiciary Committee over whether or not um, two high-level FBI officials are going to be allowed to testify before Senate Judiciary regarding the circumstances of the firing of Director Comey. Yeah, so it's, it, this, this is not unheard of. We've seen this problem in the past. It was most notably an issue during Iran-Contra. We're talking with Bradley Moss of Mark Zaid and Jeff Kramer of the Berkeley Research Group about the investigation into possible Trump campaign collusion with Russia and possible obstruction of justice being conducted by special counsel Robert Mueller and his team of prosecutors. The Wall Street Journal reported that those investigators have spoken with Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, who happens to be the official who over who appointed and oversees Special Investigator Mueller, uh, because Attorney General Jeff Sessions is recused from the Russia investigation. Jeff, it's a little bit unusual to have investigators ask questions and and you know interrogate the person who oversees their office, isn't it? Uh, yes, you know, irony abounds on this one um, because, as you say, uh, Dag uh, Rosenstein uh, appointed Mueller, and now Mueller and his uh, investigators are talking to him. But you'd have to. I mean, if you're if the question is, was the president's firing of Jim Comey related at all, or is it a bullet point in a, uh, in a in a prosecution for obstruction of justice? You have to talk to the guy who wrote the memo upon which the president said he relied. So 
it's a logical interview. It's an interview that had to happen, but uh, it's certainly uh, an odd one, uh, certainly given the situation. Brad, you spoke before about uh, Judiciary Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley saying the Senate counsel is preparing subpoenas for two FBI officials that the DOJ is preventing from being interviewed over the Comey firing. How much strength do congressional subpoenas have compared to those of Robert Mueller, let's say, and will there be a fight over these subpoenas? Oh, they're, they're, they go through a slightly different process. Uh, congressional subpoenas are uh, different in the sense that if someone refuses to comply with a congressional subpoena, then Congress has to actually more or less go to the DOJ to enforce it and to seek uh, criminal contempt um, charges against the individual who declined it. Whereas if Robert Mueller issues a subpoena, he is working on the DOJ, so he, he doesn't have to go through that entire uh, bureaucratic process. He can more or less circumvent it. He is the person who would seek the charges. But I think there will be eventually some type of resolution behind the scenes as these various uh, institutional uh, players kind of butt heads in terms of these various uh, pieces of information regarding the coming fire. I think get it resolved. I think right now it's just a lot of political posturing. Well, Jeff, one of the things, though, I mean, you mentioned irony. It's it's a bit confusing sometimes when you have a lot of, you know, you have Senate and House committees working. You have the attorney general confused, recused. You have the uh, deputy attorney general appointing a special prosecutor. They're all racing against each other to some degree to get information. And if, in fact, you know, how is it? You know, how is it that somebody like Rosenstein ends up being a witness in this but isn't recused himself from the investigation, and, and then what would happen? Yeah, he, he might have to be, and there's a lot of ways this plays out, and as you indicated, uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of cooks in this kitchen. If it does get to the point where, uh, and this is a couple steps down the line, where Rosenstein could be a witness, and if they think there's obstruction, and legal minds differ whether or not that charge can be brought against the sitting president, but let's put that to the side for a second. Um, Rosenstein would have to presumably recuse himself from technically overseeing uh, Mueller's investigation, uh, and then we go uh, to the third person, uh, and she's been in DOJ for a long period of time, uh, but there would have to be someone else uh, appointed other than the AG and the Deputy Attorney General. Uh, so that's, you know, as I say, that's a few steps down the line, um, but, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility uh, if, again, charges can indeed be brought by the president in the first instance. Brad, this very in aggressive investigation of Mueller's almost scorched earth tactics in some instances. Are there any downsides to this? Well, yes and no. I mean, the concern of going this hard and this fast is that there's going to be an accusation in the media by certain parties that he's on a mission to find a perjury traps and he's on a mission to find someone to prosecute to justify his mission. On the other hand, what, the part of the reason he is, at least in my view, probably going this hard and this fast is because the longer it drags out, the longer he faces the problem that Kenneth Starr faced during the Clinton years, which is the investigation just kept going and kept going and kept going, and it became a political albatross. And it's only right that it seemed like it was just going to go forever. I don't think that's what Robert Mueller's trying to do. I think he's trying to get to whatever the underlying facts are, whatever prosecutions need to be brought, he'll bring, and that's the end of it. He wants to end it. So, Jeff, I mean, it's probably impossible to figure out a timeline, but, you know, in about 45 seconds, do does it look like Mueller might be moving towards indictments based on what we're hearing now? 
I think you'd have to say yes, and I agree with the statement that was just, was just made. Uh, Mueller has a reputation as being no-nonsense. He's going to go forward. It's either there or it's not. And I think it's not to come full circle. He is going with the low-hanging fruit uh, with Manafort, um, and I think those charges are, are probably going to be brought. It's pretty straightforward. If he made a certain amount of money overseas and didn't declare that or worked with certain groups and didn't declare that, that's a viable charge independent of anything going on in the White House. So I think we are looking at charges relatively soon against Mr. Manafort. Well, our thanks to Brad Bradley Moss at Mark's Aid PLC and Jeff Kramer, a managing director at the Berkeley Research Group, for being on Bloomberg Law Today to talk about Robert Mueller's investigation into possible obstruction of justice and possible Trump campaign collusion and who knows what else. Uh, we're going to be following this story, obviously, and I'm sure it's not the last time on Bloomberg Law we're going to be talking about it.